Welcome to the Relationship Help Show, your time with Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Through the magic of the internet, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world, and she's here for you now. Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler. Hello, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad you're here every week because this is the time that you can set aside for yourself to settle in and ask your questions, think about your questions, um, know what is going on in your relationship. It's always good to have some time where you just stop and think, what is it that's bothering me? What's really going on? And when you can address things that way, when you can have that quiet time, when you give yourself that quiet time, that's when you can formulate a better question to ask and maybe a deeper question to ask. And that's when the good work starts. So I really invite you to ask your questions. Call in here. You can call in between 11 and 11.30 Pacific time while the show is live. The second half is a guest, so we don't call in then. But in this first half hour, feel free to call in 888-627-6008, 888-627-6008, and ask your relationship question. Because you're, you're always welcome. That's why I do this show, so that you can get answers to your questions. And if you're feeling a little shy and don't want to be on the radio or TV just right now, you can submit your question to me at forrelationshiphelp.com slash submit, and I will put your question on a future show. My show is my gift to you. There are so many times that you really wish you had some answers. So that's why I do this show, so that you can go back and listen to the archives at any time, listen to a show again, go back and get one that you missed. So today we're going to talk about ideal partners and uh, do you have one? Are you looking for one? Where do you find one? Why do they seem so elusive? A uh, few things like that because I get those questions frequently. and. You feel you're ready, and yet nothing's happening. You meet people, and nothing really happens. They may be pleasant. It may be a nice half hour or an hour, uh, but nothing really is there. In fact, just the opposite could be what you're finding. Or maybe you're already in a relationship, and not much is happening there either, and uh, that's troubling. Many times, though, you know, if we're already in a relationship and things are not really moving forward, we do have to ask ourselves the question, what am I putting into it? Because what we put into it is what we'll get from it. And I don't mean that to sound trite, and it's not always the case. I recognize that because you can pour all kinds of love into a relationship where there is no love coming back to you. And one time you just have to wake up and smell the herbal tea and say, hmm, maybe this is not the best place for me. So what I want to talk to you about today is this whole idea of how you want to feel and what are you doing in order to feel that way. So I remember at one point I became very, very clear that I wanted to feel cherished. Have you ever wanted that? 
that you just wanted someone to feel that you were special and you knew that you were special and that they would they would take care of you not pay for everything and do everything for you but that they cared about you they they really wanted to do their best to make you feel as though you were loved and that you were special and it could be in any ways. I remember at one point as a young mom on my own with three kids, I felt special when somebody took out the garbage for me. <laughs> but, you know, we want to feel cherished. We want to feel delighted. We want to feel respected. We want some to be someone to be curious and interested in us. And, and that's just not asking a lot. That's asking to have some fundamental needs that every human being has met. And yet, sometimes in our life, all of those things we want and we think we're putting out there, and yet what do we get? Crickets. Nothing happening at all. So it's important to think that through. So I wanted to help you think it through today a little bit. And I was thinking about a friend of mine who's really wanting to be in a relationship. And at least she says she does. And about, oh, five, six years ago, she decided to really get serious. So she hired a very expensive matchmaking service, cut above those online dating things. This was somebody who was really going to find her Mr. Perfect. And she was enthused about it. And there was big interviews and, and all the things that she wanted and what she didn't want and why she wanted them and very, very thorough interviews and, and uh, all her ideals and all her acceptables and all her, uh-uh, I'm never going down that street again, or I don't want that very, very clearly spelled out. And so it, it seemed like a very, very promising thing for her. And so she engaged with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of anticipation for something wonderful to happen. And soon she started having dates. And of course, I would hear about the upcoming date and the perhaps they uh, phoned each other and the conversations that happened and things are looking good. So finally, they decide to meet. And she's She's got this great hope and she's talked on the phone and she liked the sound of the voice and they seem to have things to talk about. Finally, they'd meet. Then she'd call afterwards and she was so disappointed. Every time. Why was she disappointed? Because he wasn't over six feet tall. And she would say to me, I told that matchmaker, I do not want a man who is shorter than six feet tall. Men over six feet tall make me feel protected and I want to feel protected. And I got to that date and that guy was 5'10", maybe. And, and that was just no good. And wow, you know, she complained after complaint after complaint. And she felt that it was an ironclad complaint. Right. Logically, she could justify her anger that the matchmaking service didn't listen. The person didn't understand how important it was to her. And she would just complain and complain. But of course, what happened was as soon as she realized the fellow wasn't over six feet or even close to six feet in some cases, she immediately shut him out. She shut down. She shut him out. She's just waiting for the date to be over beginning to see what would happen if that were a pattern. Haven't you ever sat next to somebody on the plane or on a bus or in a doctor's waiting room and you struck up a great conversation with them? Did you stop to think, are they over six feet? 
Oh, you were just interested in them. That's how relationships start. So after four times, she went out with guys, the same process, you know, all excited, talk to them on the phone, meet them, tell me in the postmortem afterwards that they weren't tall enough. And what was this service for? And how could they be so stupid? And she wasn't getting what she asked for. And should she get her money back? All this righteous indignation about a measurement. So finally, I just decided I have to come clean with her. I have to get real. And I said, you don't want to find a partner. You're kidding yourself. And she was horrified. Absolutely horrific. What do you mean? I've spent all this money and I'm going on all these dates and I'm actively looking for a partner. I said, but you don't want one. She said, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I said, no, you don't. And I'll tell you why. You are so quickly focused on what's wrong with the fellow that you leave no room to find out who they are. You're so focused on what they are that you won't find out who they are. And if you're not willing to find out who someone is, you will never have a partner because a great relationship is based on constantly being curious about each other's growth, curious about what each other is learning or how they're changing or where their worldview changes, or where it's come from, or where it's based, or exploring how we can make changes, or create new experiences, and doing that together. That's how we build emotional intimacy. Not whether or not the person is six feet tall or over. Sure, you have a preference. That's great. But is it the deciding factor? Golly, I hope not. So she felt really rationalized in writing these fellows off, and she felt justified. But you know what was really underneath that? She felt safe because she didn't have to risk anything at all. She had an ironclad reason why they were un, unright for her, inappropriate for her. She already had a reason that she could point to that she felt made really good sense. And then she could complain about the matchmaker. She could complain about the money. But the fact of the matter is she was just not ready for a relationship because you, you can't always be safe when you're learning about somebody. You have to be willing to risk a little bit. You have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to reach out. Now, let's just say you're not in the dating world at all. You've been with your partner for quite a while. Are you still interested and curious about them? Or do you think you know everything about them? So many times somebody will come to work with me and, and it'll come up in the conversation. Either, the, either partner will say, well, they're just not the person I married. And I'm like, yay. And they're all confused. And I say, well, I hope not. Well, what do you mean? You mean she or he is not, not the person I married? I said, well, let's see. You've been together for 10 years. Would you want that person to be in exactly the same place they were 10 years ago? Would you like them to be thinking the same thoughts, doing the same things, interested in the same things? Golly, I hope not. Because would you like to be in the exact same spot you were 10 years ago, having learned nothing, having experienced nothing? Big question, right? Because 
we have to accord other people the same thing that we want to be accorded. That's the way it works. You know, it's a two-way street. So if you've been in a relationship for somebody for a long time and you find yourself resonating with what I'm saying right now, ask yourself, when is the last time I became really curious about what was up with my partner? Like, what are they thinking? How are they feeling? Have they changed their minds about anything? When clients come to see me, often one person will answer for the other. Ever had that happen? I say, no, no, I want to hear the person whom I asked the question answer the question. And it's because we think we know what the other person thinks or feels or needs or wants. And guess what? We might. But wouldn't it be an amazing shift to just be curious enough to see what they would say in the moment? to see what might have changed, to see what growth might have taken place. So do you give your partner room to grow and do you give yourself room to grow? Think about it. Like, or do I think I already know that person? There's nothing new to learn. If you come to that place, then it's time to work on your relationship. Really. Yeah, you know, you may have a great relationship and you think you know each other perfectly well, but still you want to have the green and growing edges. You want to get deeper with each other. You want more and more emotional intimacy. And the only way you can have that is spending time together that is not spent in distraction. It's spent focusing on one another. And like my friend, you have to have an open mind. She didn't. If the fellow wasn't six feet or over, was she really interested in where he just traveled or what interested him or what kind of music he liked or what his goals and dreams were? No, because she was already saying, yeah, but you're not tall enough. Yeah, but you're not tall enough. And when we live from the yabbits of life, things are going to go downhill. They're going to go sideways and you're not going to be happy. So when you look in the mirror, do you actually see somebody that you're interested in? I used to give a lot of big seminars for singles back when I was single. And people would say, I would ask them, you know, do you go to the movies by yourself? No, no, I don't do that. Well, do you go out to, to a lovely dinner by yourself? No, I don't do that. Well, why not? Well, it's no fun without somebody else. I said, well, does a movie have value to see a movie? Well, yeah. How about a, a wonderful meal and, and a great cook to be experienced? Does that have value by itself? Well, yeah. So why wouldn't you do it? Because if you won't take yourself out, why should somebody else? If you won't spend time with you and find yourself interesting, why would somebody else do that? Now think about that for a little bit. What are we hoping for? It all starts with ourselves. You need to be interested in you. You need to be green and growing and your edges and learning things and, and all. You need to be open to change. You need to be uh, more loving and accepting, maybe more tolerant, maybe more open-minded. All of these things are very important for you. And it's a big moment if you stop and think, wow, I kind of think I know all of that and I'm not interested in myself anymore. I'm not interested in my partner and learning more about my partner because I already think I know. 
And when we come from that place of already thinking we're knowing, we've already gone into shutdown. And that's not good. So to, this morning would be a great morning to wake up to that and say, no, I'm not going to be in that place. And remember, if you have a question, you can call me right now. 888-627-6008. And ask your question doesn't matter what it's about. As long as it's about your relationship with yourself or other human beings, I'm happy to answer. So what's really going on here? When you're focused on what's wrong, you've got a problem. Now, I'm not saying we should put on our Pollyanna faces and say everything is sweetness and light and unicorns and rainbows. No, not at all. But when we're focused on what's wrong, then that is all what we're going to see. Many years ago, I wrote a book called What You Pay Attention to Expands, and it was before people got interested in the law of attraction and all. Um, but it's so true. What you pay attention to expands. So you go back and think about my friend, and all she was paying attention to is how tall is that fellow. When it push came to shove, that was all she was interested in, not the conversations that they'd had and all of the nice things that had happened. Her final thing was, how tall is he? And that's all she was paying attention to. And so everything else paled and went away. And all that mattered was how angry she was that he wasn't tall enough. So is there anywhere in your life that you are focused on only what's wrong, when there are actually many, many other things to focus on, but you see the flaws? When you look in the mirror in the morning, do you see the flaws or do you look into your own lives, eyes and say, I love you, I accept you, and I approve of you just the way you are? Mwah. Which one is it? Where do you go, oh, it's morning. <laughs> it's all up to you. What you pay attention to expands. You can grab that book on Amazon. It might be something worth reading for you. It's a quick read. So, what are you paying attention to in your partner? What are you paying attention to in yourself? These are going to be the things that will make all the difference in whether you have a great relationship or not. These are the things that are going to say, I am interested in expanding and moving forward, or I am in shutdown and keeping myself walled off. Now, even when I say that shut down and walled off, I hope that sounds terribly unattractive. It may sound safe, and if it sounds safe to you, notice that because safety is not always paramount when we're dealing with personal growth. We need to be willing to open ourselves to new things and new, new thoughts and, and new ways of looking at things, new attitudes, and this becomes very important because it also is what makes us attractive to other people. And we want to have that working on our behalf, right? So let's just pay attention for this moment to what are you paying attention to in your life? Think of that one person, maybe that special person or that special person who isn't there yet. And what are you focused on? Are you focused on the good or are you focused on what you don't like? So after the break, we'll continue talking about this. So stay tuned. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? 
Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. And we're back and we're talking about where to pay our attention. What are you paying attention to in your life? And part of this this, uh, conversation this morning came from, I received several questions from people who, when I really boiled down the question, it was about how do I fix my partner? And the simple answer to that is you can't. Sorry, but you can't, and it's not your job to fix your partner. What your job is to know yourself well enough that you can express what you think, feel, need, and want in a way that is assertive, but is not aggressive and not demanding. And then you can see whether or not the other person has any interest in that. I know you would really like to have a series of formulae that would work to fix your partner, but you can't. And so I started to think, well, what's underneath that? And that's why I'm bringing this this beginning of an answer to you today. So what you pay attention to expands. That's the name of my book. It's available on Amazon. Um, And I was asking you the question before the break, do you focus on your own flaws? We have a tendency to do that, don't we? We look in the mirror and our eyes zoom in to the feature of our face that we least like. And then we have a whole inner dialogue, an inner critic, if you like, that begins to say, oh, well, that's not good enough, and that's not good enough. What if you were able to change that? What if you were willing to change that? What if you faked it till you made it and changed that and said, I look like a person people would like to get to know? Do you smile at people? Sometimes you have to check in the mirror. I had that experience. About 20 years ago, I was sitting in my car at a crosswalk. People were going right in front of my car. And I smiled at someone. And they didn't smile back. And I thought, wow, that's strange. So I looked in my rearview mirror. I wasn't smiling. I was smiling in my head. I thought I was smiling. I thought I was purposefully smiling. But somehow it didn't make it to my face. So it's really important for us to spend time with ourselves and find out what is coming across. So if you look at your own flaws first, when you look in the mirror, why would you think you would look at other people and not look at their flaws too? Like I said, I am not advocating Pollyanna, sweetness and light and rainbows and unicorns. I want a nice balanced approach to everything. Yes, we have flaws, but we all also have wonderful features. And what are you focused on? Because our inner critic would love to work overtime. Our inner courtroom is always available with a complete jury ready to indict us about so many things. And therefore, we are ready to do that to a partner or a friend or someone in our life. Yes, there are things to work out. 
I can't say it enough times this morning that yes, I there are going to be things that are tough. There are going to be conflicts. There are going to be things that have to be worked out. There will be issues. There will be problems. And you do need to work them out. I'm not suggesting that you just turn a blind eye to them. But I'm saying, do you have a balanced view? Are you allowing yourself to see both what is needing to be changed or you think is needing to be changed and what you like and love? Are you keeping those things in balance? That's a very good starting point because if perchance you do that exercise repeatedly and you find that there is nothing on the like side of that equation with somebody, then you have to think about spending your time elsewhere or at least giving it a good shot to become more curious about that person and see if you can rekindle what was there or to find out if there is anything left. You know, sometimes we hear about people who've been married for 60 or 70 years and everybody applauds and it's wonderful. And it is. It's great. But that's not for everybody. Sometimes people just don't grow at the same rate. Sometimes somebody who we're attracted to at at an early stage in our life is not somebody who grows and and carries on with us and wants to do uh, the life the way we want to do it in 20 years. Yeah, I don't advocate divorce. As a matter of fact, I help all my clients do the best that they can to see whether or not their marriage can grow and deepen and enrich. That's always the first step. But there's always wisdom as well in knowing whether or not this can actually be something that can be saved, should be saved, and you want to have saved, or is it just a habit? Or is it somebody's idea of saying, well, you got into it? I remember my mom's favorite phrase, and maybe it was yours too. Well, you made your bed, young lady, you lie in it. Well, I know how to clean up my bed. I know how to change my bed. I know how to go build another bedroom. Uh, Sometimes you have to use all of those skills. So with our, our inner critics working overtime, then we extend that to criticizing other people. And when we do that, we might find ourselves in that inner dialogue that, you know, you're walking down the mall all by yourself and there are lots of people there and you catch yourself in an inner dialogue. It sounds something like this. Oh my goodness, they've got the Thanksgiving decorations up and it isn't even uh, back to school yet. Or look at that ugly window. Or why? who would ever think of putting those clothes together? Or if she can get a man, anybody can get a man. Or I hate being here and look at I've got to put up with all these people. And you've just got this inner dialogue that's running and running and running and it's all negative. It's exhausting. But if you find that that's going on in your life, you're hurting yourself. You're doing that all by yourself. There's nobody there. So if that's happening when you're walking down the mall, when you are in judgment of everything, and of course we're, we're hardwired to do that, so that becomes a habit quite early on. And then we're in the habit of judging ourselves harshly, and then we judge other people harshly, and then we get into relationship. Now, if you're looking for a relationship, it's going to be a little bit tough if you're judging everybody by that, or like my friend, that they're just not tall enough, so it doesn't matter that they're most fabulous human being on the planet. They're just not tall enough. You get my drift, right? This is what is happening when we don't step back 
and take a look at what we really need to be happening. So very important for us to do that. So if you want to be cherished or delighted or respected or honored, then you have to do that for yourself. That's a gift you give yourself. And you can't give a gift you don't have. So you can't give that cherishing, delighting, respecting, and honoring to another person if you don't have it within yourself to give. So if you're ready to do a little work around these things and what I've said to you today makes sense, go and and, uh, sign up for a free little chat with me to see if we can get you the results you want. Just go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash free consult. Uh, free dash consult and you can you can find that anyway in the navigation bar on for relationship help which is my main website don't give anybody else the power for making you happy it is an inside job and you're responsible for it nobody else don't give other people the power for making you happy. It is not their power. It's something that comes within you. And, and I wrote about this in yesterday's Tips for Relationships, my newsletter. So you can also get that at forrelationshiphelp.com. And um, it's a really great newsletter that comes to you every week. It talks about the show. It gives you a little, a little tip for a relationship, and it keeps you up with all the exciting things that are going on around here. So today we have a guest, Lori Peters. I'm so excited to have her join us, and I hope that she will turn her camera on. <laughs> and um, let me just see if I can help with that. Okay. Um, and I'm excited to have Lori. There she is. Hi, Lori. Uh-huh. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Well, Lori is, is exciting. She's just gotten married. So you see that glow, see that amazing glow. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm sure she has lots to tell us about that. But in the meantime, let's just think about a few things about Lori. And um, She is an author, and she's very excited about her new book that is being launched today. It's called Getting Married at Last, My Journey from Hopelessness to Happiness, an inspirational book for women over 30 who have given up on love, want to take their relationship to the next level, or who just need more hope in their lives. Like I said, Lori got married for the first time this year, one day after her 53rd birthday, and she's here to discuss how she did it using confidence, gratitude, and love. So welcome to the program, Lori. Thank you so much, Roberta. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're glad you're here too. Um, I know that you probably did a lot of shopping before you found your mate, and that many, many times we have the opportunity of being in front of people who may or may not be the ideal person for us to continue a relationship with. And, you know, my work is all about uh, seeing the red flags about relentlessly difficult people while you're dating and what to do about them if you get them home and you find that you don't really like the way they behave. So tell us a little bit about your story, how you went on this amazing journey to find the love of your life. Well, Roberta, I spent so many years um, dating people that really weren't a good fit for me. And I'm talking all the way, not just through the 20s and 30s, but 
all the way into my 40s. And I got to the point um, after taking this journey that something had to change. Obviously, I was extremely stubborn because I wouldn't let myself see what that change had to be. And when you talk about self-esteem, I had to literally get to the point where I became so frustrated with the whole partnership and dating and finding somebody situation that I finally just had to give in and say, Lori, just go live life. But not just say it, but it had to permeate through me. It had to be part of who I was. I couldn't just say it anymore. I had to actually really feel it so I could do it. And after that happened, you know, I, it wasn't until I was in my mid 40s when I just sort of, when I say give up, I just mean give up the fight and just let life flow as it needed to flow. And it was about nine months after that um, to when, as to when I met Ryan. So that's a very abridged version of the story, <laughs> of course. But um, when you mention self-confidence, that that to me, and every people say your whole life, you can't meet someone till you love yourself. And I used to say back, I know tons of beautiful women with, with boyfriends who don't love themselves. Um, I think I would add to that and say, you can meet someone if you don't love yourself. But you very well may end up with an idiot <laughs> or, or someone who just isn't a fit for you. Um, I was the ultimate hijackle. I love your words so much. I was my own hijackle. I put everything in the way possible. I did everything wrong. I was so being eaten inside by the turmoil of not getting it right, that it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I kept honing in on my flaws and I, I kept, um, it would just stick with me. It was this layer over my being that just stuck with me for so many years. And until I had my epiphany and aha moment that's in the book, um, that changed everything. And then I talk about the back end of the story of how everything changed at that point and how I just, I flowed right into it, but it took a darn long time because I'm a little <laughs> stubborn, like I said. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but stubborn is also the flip side of persistence. So you didn't quit. <laughs> you just went in a different direction. You energetically shifted from, I got to mm -hmm. get one to let's see what the flow offers. And I think that's a real key for many, many people who are looking for love because how many people, and, and I know this is a very generalized example, but how many people go to a bar to meet people and then wonder why they meet drinkers? Like, duh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and so if you're placing yourself in, in environments that are not conducive to who you are, how are you possibly going to meet somebody? Now, of course, there's the fluke that both of you decided to go to a bar to meet somebody and you'd never go to a bar. Usually, I understand that one in a million chance. But if you're not doing your life in the way that brings you joy, uh, then how are you ever going to uh, shift into a relationship with someone who you met doing something that was artificial to you, something that you're doing to meet someone, right? Well, I have to tell you something funny. We met in a bar, <laughs> but okay. Well, let me, let me 
tell you what that is. We have a place um, in the area that it's more of a family type. Um, it's got a great bar, but a lot of families go in there. It's the Winking Lizard. It's fun. It's a sports place. A lot of kids come after they're done with their parents from events. It's it's one of the most interesting places because it's mixed. And Ryan was sitting at the bar with um, his best friend. He had moved back to town here where he was originally from. And I was just running in with my neighbors to grab something to eat. And there, there they were. And Ryan's hardly even a drinker. So yes, weird things happen here and there, but it's sort of more like a local establishment that everybody goes to. So it wasn't like a bar bar kind of thing, but you know, you never know, um, where it's going to be. So you know, you just have to, I, I feel like I was so open at that point that wherever it was, I was going to probably be able to meet somebody because I was in that mindset where not everybody is. Right. And, you know, you said the key word, Lori, because our mindset is everything. You know, I was, I don't know if you were listening to earlier in the show, but I was talking about a friend who used a matchmaking system and she, she was always angry when she went on dates because the very first thing that she noticed was they weren't over six feet tall. And she immediately, in her mind, released them. Like, oh, this fellow isn't tall enough. And, and so she had a horrible dating life and she made it all about the matchmaking service. But in point of fact, her mindset was, and as I said to her later on, after we started to see this pattern, her mindset is that I really don't want to date. So I'm going to grab onto something that seems that I can rationalize and justify and seems valid. They're not tall enough. And I will use that as the criteria. But I had to work with her and say, no, you're just afraid. You're afraid of getting below that and being known and being seen and being curious about somebody else. So you bring down the hammer of not being tall enough. And that was that was a big moment. And I wasn't the most popular person on the planet for a little while, as you can imagine. So when you were going through this dating experience and before you had your epiphany, what were you doing that you that you changed once you had the epiphany? What what were you doing that was so focused on? I got to get a guy. And then you were able to open yourself to the flow. What was the difference? I was spending time working on myself. I've always loved personal development. Um, anytime I've ever been through a breakup, the first thing I want to do is go get a book yeah. and learn something. Um, the first thing I want to do is lose weight because it's the only thing at the moment I can control. So I'd always, which was a good thing because it wasn't like I was paper thin <laughs> anyway. So that was never a really bad thing. But, uh, you know, you grab, sometimes you grab onto something you can control because you cannot control other people. So I'd always go get a book. Um, I'd always learn something. And I really believe that through all those years of, of reading and putting thought to how I related to the reading I was doing, talking to certain people about it that really had my back, in other words, that really cared about me and, and discussing it with them and really kind of going deeper. Um, I'm a big follower of the law of attraction, meaning what I put out there, I believe comes back to me. So if I keep focusing on, I'll never get someone, I'll never get somebody, I'm never going to get anybody. So I just had to, I really just had to put myself out there and say, I am so sick of not having fun. I am losing my life. And I will tell you, one of the major things that made a shift in me is when my mother died. Uh -huh. She passed away at 58. I was 34. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so when that happened, I don't know if, if you've lost somebody that close to you, but are your listeners, I'm sure some of them have as well. Um, but your life never looks the same again. That doesn't mean that it isn't a wonderful life, but it looks, I believe it looks different after something like that happens. And I feel like I began my true growth process then growing up from that point, realizing what's important, connecting to people better. Um, it just took another, you know, 10 years to, to work out the relationship <laughs> stuff. But, you know, it was it was a slow process that was leading up to that. Great. Well, as you can see, my guest, Lori Peters, and I have a lot to talk about. And stay tuned. Come back right after the break. We've got more for you. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending. An endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. We're back with Lori Peters, and you just said something really important, and I think it relates to everybody. When we have a major life event, like you said, your mom died. She was only 58. You were 34. Um, You weren't ready to lose your mom at 34 years old. We're just not prepared for that. And often that's the turning point for us to sort of wake up and smell the herbal tea and say, whoa, life is not what I thought it was, and I better have a closer look. Is that what happened? Very much so. Um, Once I went through the initial shock of it, because it was a fairly fast um, passing for my mother um, through disease that she had, um, it it is a shocker. And you go through that. It took me two full years to grieve because I was too afraid if I was letting myself feel too quickly that I, I would break down. So somehow subconsciously I knew to just take it slow. And as that was happening, I felt myself opening up. I felt myself, you know, before that, when somebody was going through tragedy, I sort of stepped away and, you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting, you know, I have a master's in counseling and I still would get nervous around people who were in tragedy after my mother passed, I find my I found myself gravitating towards those people, wanting mm-hmm. to connect and help them and just sit with them or be silent or talk, whatever they needed to do. Uh, I I didn't run from people like I used to. And I think sometimes those kinds of big changes that happen in your life, they translate into all pieces of your life. So that started to translate into relationships. Um, I would run from somebody who really liked me back yeah. in the day because I felt deep down, if they liked me, something was wrong with them um, because I didn't believe in myself. Um, I didn't like how I looked physically. 
um, that was the main part of it. I really didn't like how I looked physically. And this wasn't doing any doing of my parents. This wasn't, I wasn't ferociously teased in school. A um, couple of little things that are, that are really funny in the book, but you know, it wasn't that. It was, I'm really super hard on myself. It's just part of my personality. Um, thanks to my grandma. She's the same way. So it's like she <laughs> skipped a generation. We went right from grandma to Lori. So, so with that happening, and having that whole um, feeling of, of self-worth, low self-worth, I couldn't let somebody in. And if they actually liked me, then what was I going to do with that? I only really liked guys who I thought were the top of the top. Meaning, you know, in college I was dating guys that lots of women were attracted to, like athletes, superstars you know, really good looking guys and sometimes guys who really didn't have it together in terms of relationships. So, so I guess I latched on to that thinking, if they like me, then I must be good instead of going within and going, wait a minute, there are some amazing guys out there who liked me all over the years. I never gave a chance to because they were maybe average looking, normal. Now I look back on it. Some of these guys were awesome. I mean, in the looks department, mentally, everything. And uh, my husband's super cute, I have to say. <laughs> he's super cute. Um, and he's tall and everything. But I didn't always date tall guys. I finally let myself go, wait a minute. You, you have to realize you're good. You have to really like yourself. And no, I have a ton of flaws. I screw up but I really like myself. I think I'm a pretty cool person who gives to this planet and to other people. And then boom, here they were coming, you know, again. So I know it sounds simple and self-esteem is a big topic out there that's been written about, talked about everything, but it truly is everything. And the minute I really did that and let the right guys in, they were, they were right there. Wow, that's such a great realization, and you put it together in such a great package, Lori. So you're really going to want to read Lori's book, <laughs> Getting Married at Last, <laughs> um, and go to happinesshangout.net and see everything that she has for you there. And do support her by buying the book on Amazon today. It's a big deal, you know, it's launching, and we want everybody to know about it. So after you had that realization and you look back and you say, wow, I missed the boat on some really great guys because I was over here in my thinking and they were over here and I dismissed them. Um, and so let's not build a, a great pile of regret. It's just like, oh, okay, I noticed that. And now that I realize that maybe I know myself a little better, maybe then I can be comfortable sharing who I am with another human being. Not jumping into deep disclosure on the first date. You know, I remember meeting a guy once in a bar <laughs> a long time ago, and I was a young mom with three kids, and I had a two-hour window every Friday. It was all I could afford was a babysitter for two hours after work, and I went to the same bar where all the lawyers and professionals hung out. And I met this guy, and I said to him, "Oh, you know what? What's what's exciting to you?" And he said, "Sex, drugs, and rock and roll." And I thought, oh, well, that's just a trendy thing to say, right? I didn't think anything of it. I was in relationship for him with him for um, over two years. And it took me that long to realize that what was exciting to him, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You have to learn to believe who people tell you they are. 
And you have to be ready to put your best self out there to, to know who you are as opposed to who you think other people want you to be, right? Oh, exactly. Um, boy, I, I've done that a million times too. I used to love the bad boy. That was mm. another quality I looked for. The bad boy. Again, I didn't realize this, but I'm latching on to somebody who's self-confident. So it made me feel self-confident. Right. And then the minute, the minute they left, the minute they left, it, yeah, I was down and way further down than I even was before. So mm. I'm depending on other people. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to be something I'm not yet. I'm doing it. We know that we can never do it through other people. We have to do it through, through our own self and get there through our own self, um, go inside of us and explore that. So I hear what you're saying. I had plenty of those bad boys. I had plenty of those athletes and, and I met some really nice fraternity guys in college. I was in a sorority. I, I you know, and another thing I used to do is try to go to the top with everything I did to make myself feel better. You know, I'll be the president of my sorority, which I was, I'll be a national officer. I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll, you know, I'll be on the Dean's list. All of, all of that external stuff was great for me and I'm glad I did it, but I did it for the wrong reasons. So I think it's important that we go within ourselves and say, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is this really because I love it? I have passion for it. Is it for the wrong reasons? Am I only doing it to show people up or to make myself feel better? How do I truly feel inside? And that's Roberta where I had to go to really go deep down in there. And it took years. Yeah. I mean, I don't know a lot of women who are 53 and getting married at the first time women in their forties. Yes. But, and he, and my husband's 41. Again, I didn't go, I didn't try to be a cougar. <laughs> I, didn't try to go, I didn't look for the young guy. It just happened that way. And it's interesting when you let go, all those things that people say, oh, you really lucked out. They just come to you because you just let go and enjoy life. And it's so easy, but we can make it so hard. Well, you know what? I love what you're saying, of course, A, because I agree with it. <laughs> you know, if you focus on you, it's not selfishness. And I can't say that often enough because years ago, and it, I'll tell you how many years ago it is, Lori, because it was on a cassette tape that I put out a whole mm. tape called Be Positively Selfish. And what I meant by that was it is not wrong to self-reflect, to focus on yourself, to know who you are, to take time for yourself, to spend time with yourself. Because when you do that, then you have you. And that's all you got in this life. If you get a partner, super. But you're going to have you the whole time. So you want that to be the best experience it can be. And what I hear you saying is when you do that, strange things happen. Like you become wildly attractive to other people who are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, and it doesn't matter whether they're tall or they're 12 years younger. <laughs> it's simply energetic. Right. Mm -hmm. And, right. and we, we need to be open to that. So if you're listening right now and you're saying, wow, how do I put this into, into my own life? What would you say is the first step, Lori? Well, I will tell you, um, my book is more of an inspirational book about my journey. I do an after story after, and I have lots of different um, pieces that I run through, um, activities, things people can do. 
But for me, I'm, I'm trying to decide here which one of them I want to say. I'm going to go with gratitude. I think because when I learned really how to be grateful, for instance, um, almost every day, especially when I'm in the car and we're supposed to write down things we're grateful for, but I tend to do it in the car. If I'm having a little bit of a bad day, I will literally run through everything I'm grateful for, um, no matter what it is. And my, the essence of me sort of rises, especially if something bad happened. Uh, I'll do that. I, I teach the stuff. <laughs> so that helps, you know, when you teach it and you're talking to people about it. Um, I will practice this every day. I make sure and I go out and I say to every person I'm around, if I think that something's great, I tell them. Now, I don't go overboard because you don't want to seem disingenuous, but yeah. I will say to people, you know, I'll notice now. And I'll, instead of just noticing, I say it. I make sure to tell my husband constantly, um, thank you. Um, he takes out the trash, which I hate. And um, he doesn't, I'm like, I appreciate that. And I tell him that when he smells good and looks good, he's adorable. So I know we're new, but <laughs> Hey, we've been together almost five years. So I do. Um, I say that out loud, being conscious of, of good things going on around you, good things people do and saying it to them and saying it also importantly to yourself. Like, you know what? I did pretty good with that. And, and I'm, and, and I'm proud of myself for that. And maybe I'll get a little treat, you know, maybe I'll go out and, you know, what I get an ice cream cone, or maybe I'll, you know, spend an hour reading, whatever that might be. So constantly being grateful and actually saying it to yourself and other people, that is a wonderful start. And when, when you go out with people, you know, I used to, the other thing I'll say is I used to go out and my eyes were always looking for somebody. And there was a guy once who liked somebody that was around me. And I thought they picked her over me and I got really upset about it inside. This is some years ago. After this change happened, I'd go out with people and I'd see couples together and I would be happy for them. And I would say, my life is so good. And everybody tells me how great my life is. Why don't I believe it? Why yeah, aren't exactly. I focusing in on it? Why aren't I thinking about that? Why aren't I just laughing with people who want to be around me and forgetting everything else? And when I went and did that, and so what if you have to force it, fake it till you make it, you're going to enjoy it and want more of it. And that changed everything. It doesn't matter who's doing what, if you're just being a good person, having a good time, people will gravitate towards that and it, it will work out. Perfect place to end, Lori. I think you're absolutely right. Yay you, you, you did it, you've written about it, and you're happy about it, and that's wonderful. So thank you for being my guest today. That's Lori Peters from happinesshangout.net. Be sure to go over there. She has a free gift for you. Buy her book on Amazon, Getting Married at Last, and be one of the first to read it and share it with your friends. So if you've enjoyed today's show, I hope that you'll listen to the archives. Remember, you can go to Relationship Help Show com and you'll see the archives there if you have a question you'd like me to answer on air go to for relationshiphelp.com slash submit and i will answer that on a future show in the meantime do all that you can to be as happy as you can most of the time and i look forward to speaking with you again next week talk soon
There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shayla directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.